What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 75th episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast. We are a completely independent Star Trek podcast, audio only, better for your bandwidth, and we like to talk about Star Trek about every two weeks or so. I'm David Majors, and for the 75th time officially, I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What's up? 75. Damn, I feel like we're old. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, we got to start thinking about what we're going to do for episode 100 soon. No, no, no. I didn't think about that yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll, do, we'll think of something. We'll figure it out. But until then, we have episode 75. Now, regular listeners of the podcast will know that just about every five episodes or so, Heather and I like to invite a guest to the program. And this episode will be no different. I met uh, today's guest at STLV 2023 in Las Vegas in the line for photo ops with Mr. LeVar Burton. And we just started talking. Hey, I host a podcast. Hey, I I host a podcast too. I've already guessed it on his. So, of course, the Promenade Merchants had to return the favor. So, please welcome from the Captain's Quadrant podcast, a Mr. Joe Dove. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am one half of the Captain's Quadrant. It is so lovely to be here. I really like the space and what you've done with the place. It looks great. I appreciate that. We, we did try and clean up a little bit before you got here. There was some there was some stuff happening in one of the hollow suites that just got a little, but you know, it's, we're we're good to go. All right, thank you, thank you. I love the chair; it's very nice velour. Appreciate it. Now, for new listeners of the podcast, we do our show in about a three act format, where we start with the old business, where we talk about things that are legacy Star Trek, which is. Pretty much anything from the cage up into the Kelvin movies will occasionally deviate now and then if we're feeling like breaking the rules. But we'll say from the cage to the Kelvin movies. Then later on, we'll talk about new business and then upcoming business where we look, pun always intended, at Star Trek Beyond. Let's jump in. Heather, I will ask you first. Um, There has been... A bit of discussion about the opinions on the recent very short tracks. <laughs> oh boy, have there been opinions on it. Mm. So I'll ask you first, Heather and Joe, in a second, feel free to chime in. Uh, we're all like lifelong Trekkies here, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask uh, you and, and, and our listeners for old business what was the first time your first memory of when you were watching star trek and you were saying to yourself "Ugh, this was not a very good episode at all heather when was the first time you remember watching star trek and just not enjoying the episode at all um Okay, so I I, I kind of took this in a very literal sense of like something that has been talked up about Star Trek, but then I, when I watched it, I was incredibly disappointed. Um, and that would have to be the TOS episode, uh, Plato's 
I think it's Plato's stepchildren, Plato's children, mm-hmm. something yes, like that. Yes, Plato's children, I believe. Yeah. So that is the episode when they have uh, the big interracial kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which, Plato's stepchildren. Which, Heather had it right. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which, you know, before I had even watched TOS, like, I knew that this had happened, and I knew it was an important moment in TV history, and I was excited to see how it happened. And then I watched that episode and said, I am literally and utterly disgusted by watching this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it, it's, it's, so, it, it, it's so horrible as a woman to watch that episode. It really is. Uh, because it, it, it's not consensual. It is absolutely not consensual whatsoever. And they are forced to kiss each other. And even though... Uhura and Kirk did have some chemistry, and we we all know Spock and Chapel's chemistry by now, okay? And I, I I'm a big Spock and Chapel person in TOS too, because I love Chapel in TOS. I love Maisel Barrett, but the fact that these two women that are the arguably the 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 most important female figures in TOS are basically just being forced to uh, unconsensually kiss their uh male superiors is absolutely cringeworthy and i hated it i completely get where you're coming from on that one that was also just a very weird episode in general and i felt the same way when i saw it that they were being controlled and they were coerced so i feel like a lot of the significance of that moment was really deflated by it. Joe, I think, uh, what do you think? Oh yeah, that was uh, the historical significance of the kiss is outweighs the poor writing. And I mean, it's not even poor writing. It's the writing of the times. Yeah. Because if you watch the original episode, the cage, there's a lot of, Oh, I'll never get used to a woman on my bridge, which was, Oh yeah. Yeah. What? Huh? And if you watch it now, but if you watched it back then, it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh huh. That's weird, you know. So it, it's very much reminiscent of the the period that it was written in. But uh, when you look back at it, these things do not age well. And just that episode was one of the the quirky ones uh, to go back and watch. I'll I'll have to ask my co-host. His, his name is Jason Roy Gaston. Uh, how he feels about that because we do a thing called the Agony Booth. And that's where we go back and watch the harder to watch episodes of Star Trek. And it sounds to me like this is definitely one of them that needs to be on that wheel. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like I said, there are some TOS episodes that I will actually agree that even though they might be slightly cringeworthy, they uh, are important. And, and there's aspects of that story that's important for everybody to watch and listen to because I, I'm, I'm one of those people I will sit there and defend the turnabout intruder and I know so many people hate that episode <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of the exact opposite of this where it, it's really an important story to talk about how they treated women back then and and why it's written that way and why it's important that that women do have a place on the bridge and things like that so and, and to not even like blame this on kirk and spock in this episode because the two of them were being unconsensually manipulated as well when you watch the episode like didn't at one point they made them crawl around on their knees and bark like a dog or whatever <laughs> yeah. like that ain't right to them either so it's no. like everyone got 
taken advantage of. <laughs> and it's, it's just a really hard episode to watch. And Heather, uh, Joe, I'll let you go in a second. If you need backup on Turnabout Intruder, I've got your back. Because I, I think that is a very important and in its own weird way a very entertaining episode. So yes. I, I've got your back on that one. Yep. Uh, Joe. Indeed. Uh, what was an episode or the first time you really recall Star Trek uh, really giving you, as the kids say nowadays, the ick? The ick. <laughs> the ick comes from one of the um, TOS episodes. There's, there's two episodes for sure. When I first got into the world of Star Trek in the 80s, when it was uh, in syndication, I believe it was TV Land at the time. And some of your listeners are going to go, wow, how old is that guy? Oh, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shout out TV Land. TV Land. <laughs> and I saw Wade Eden, uh, or as we affinitely call it, Space Hippies. And ah. yeah, that one was just uh, was like, what is going on? You're an alien just because they put some makeup on your ear- ears. That's what made you an alien. <laughs> and um, of course, the, the whole genesis of that episode was these aliens had gotten the word that there's an Eden out there. And it's just this wonderful planet that just like the Eden of biblical times that we know will give them eternal life and they can be free as they want. And nobody's going to be a Herbert, <laughs> which was <laughs> slang at that time. Uh, another one of those things that doesn't age too gracefully, but uh, it, there was just a lot going on. And then there was almost a mutiny and there was like the first time they tried to take over the ship uh, on Star Trek and they, sort of succeeded but when they got to eden turns out everything was poison but there was a lot of singing um and if you are a fan of austin powers the general from austin powers was uh one of the space hippies and he wrote all of the songs that he sang so this that was the original uh space rhapsody in in my mind it was (laughs) it was pretty awful unlike the space rhapsody of current day that episode, now that I'm thinking about it, it was actually written by DC Fontana, which oh. is which is interesting. Um, and I've always liked the occasional encounters with hippies on TOS, mostly because I think hippies are funny. <laughs> and because it was the 60s, it was so very true to life at the time. So... I, I was entertained by it. Maybe not for the right reasons, but I was definitely entertained. How about you, Heather? That was uh, the episode, The Way to Eden from oh, yes, TOS. Yes, yes. I'm a, I, I actually, um, I really like this episode, but really? I'm a hippie at heart. Oh, <laughs> so. okay. I was going to say, this is almost like cho- uh, nails on a chalkboard, right? Yeah. I'm a hippie at heart. So, I, I, I mean, I, I understand why people don't like it, but... I I liked it. <laughs> wow. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so it's my turn. Uh when I was still younger and still regularly watching The Next Generation, I had no idea that the series was in its final season oh. and the cast and crew were getting ready to move on to the movies at the time. But there was one episode In season seven, when I watched it, it was just a matter of, what was this? And 
Now, in retrospect, when I realized it was in the seventh in the seventh season, and the show was nearing its end, and maybe TNG, everybody there had kind of checked out. Mm. I know I'm in the minority on this one, but I always thought the episode Masks was just the most ridiculous, <laughs> silliest episode of Star Trek The Next Generation I had seen. Now, don't get me wrong. I loved when TNG got really over the top and ridiculous. <laughs> but for whatever reason, this episode, Masanka is waking. I just thought it was so cheesy and silly and not in a good way. It was it, it was a little cringy for me. Masks from season seven of TNG. Mm. I remember that fondly because it was the time that we got to see Brent Spiner really get bust out his acting chops because he was all over in that because data had been taken over by this alien ancient alien resting species if i'm not mistaken is that is that the same episode? yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah. that that is the one highlight from this episode for me is that brent spiner did put on a pretty great performance yeah he was awesome but no i i get it and then yeah, if i'm not mistaken the whole ship started to turn into their ancient civilization too yeah yes yeah 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 okay so that i understand because it was so cheesy and like the mask were even for a prop kind of silly looking like i was like i could have gone to walmart and gotten a better mask like <laughs> like it's kind of weird but yeah no i i get it because it was so silly it was ridiculous and almost comical at some moments but it, it's kind of hard to to like not appreciate it because of it uh brent swiner's acting and the fact that I feel like they were the next generation crew was known for having the most antics. So I feel like this was the episode they were like, you know what? We're not even going to direct. Just do your thing. Do, do whatever. Just go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I could totally see that. I mean, the, this episode is most definitely falls in the cheesy, ridiculous category. But it's also one of those ones that you like either absolutely love the ridiculous of it or you just can't stand the ridiculous of it. So it, it, it's it's one that goes either way. But it, it does have a lot of good points about it because it does get to see, you do get to see um, Brent Spiner just go full on Brent Spiner. I mean, mm -hmm. come on now. Uh, and... It, and I mean, it does. You do kind of like one of the other good parts about it is that you do get to. It's one of the moments where you get to see Patrick Stewart go on like almost full on Shakespearean. Okay, when he's like preaching to the gods and whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> this was just so. Because <laughs> that that's one of the things I love about TNG. And then this is another like weird, insane episode of TNG. But the one where like he he. Pat, where uh, Picard went full on like Shakespeare's soliloquy to Loxana, like I, I love that. Okay, that that's the crazy stuff I love about TNG. That's the one where he was trying to like get her away from the guy she was. Like, the the Ferengi that had kidnapped her. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I I do want to argue about your point that I don't think like the writers had given up on season seven there's a lot of like crazy off the wall episodes in season seven but 
I do think like most of the good writers had probably moved on to DS9 at that point. <laughs> mm. So they were stuck with kind of like the, the B team of writers that were like, oh Hello, yeah, we're Matt? just going to go for it. It's the last season. Last you season. Know? Let's just throw it out there. See what happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it was also like, and I think also because it was season seven too, it was like, okay, we're, this is just the season where we're going to let people do it because like, I, I know the story about how Gates wanted to direct an episode of TNG and, you know, Frakes had gotten his start and LeVar had gotten his start, but they didn't allow Gates to direct an episode until season seven when she mm. directed Genesis, which is the crazy episode where they all like deep evolved into their. Right. Yeah. The wild one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it's season seven of TNG. It's a little, a little weird, a little out yeah, there. Yeah, it, it got weird in season seven. <laughs> all right, so now that you all know what episodes we didn't like, you if you want to yell at us, you can. And you can do that on the site, formerly known as Twitter, at PromTrekPod. Let us know why we're all terrible with our opinions. Feel free. Uh, let's move into new business. And it's time to continue talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. Uh, we The last episode that we left off on is in the Cradle of Vexalon, where the crew of the Cerritos lands on a planet that its computer that controls the weather and what have you is malfunctioning. And also, Lieutenant Junior Grade Bradward Poimler has some ensigns he needs to command on a mission with some help from Talyn. Uh Heather, I've already said how much I love Talyn, and, and I think I said that when I was on Captain's Quadrant 2. So that, that's the first thing that I loved about this episode, was just I thought Talyn and Boimler were great together. Uh, Heather, what did you think of In the Cradle of Vexalon? Uh, it was all right. Um, I... I... I do think, uh, especially these first few episodes, you really get to see how much Talyn is a good fit for this show because she really balances out the crazy with just her very stoic Vulcanism. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it it's not in a way that's like contradictory to the rest of the characters. It's it's really in a way that goes along with it, and I think that's a lot. That that that's really fun to watch. And I do love how, uh, like, in this episode, like, she she tries to help Boimler, but he's not listening, and he insists that he needs to do it this way. And then, like, the more she's talking to him and the more desperate the situation is, like, she helps him realize that, like, like the root of his issue with what he was dealing with and the fact that, you know, these were all people that were his co-workers just a day ago and now he's supposed to give them orders and, and how he feels uncomfortable with that but he he has to learn to trust them as much as he trusts himself and and help solve the problem so i thought that was really good uh joe i will ask you one how do you feel about this episode and what did you think of i guess we'll call it the c plot with tendy Mariner and Rutherford and the the chips and the chip room. Oh yes, I actually that that to me was very fun because I've gotten 
I'll start off with the C plot. I'll work my way back. Um, I've gotten tasks like that before where they were like, okay, so I used to work for a large manufacturer of products and we had a 20,000 uh, archive room full of the product and they decided, you know what? We want you to go down each and every one of these rows and alphabetize everything. So it was like, what, really? And then I had to go <laughs> through every little drawer and everything and do all that alphabetizing. And I was like, oh, but I, I totally like was on point with them. They That really got me. And then they were like, oh, you just got through the first row and he lifted up another row and it was a whole litany of more and it was like oh my god all to find one that wasn't working right so i i, I find the mundaneness of it and their joy of doing it uh quite humorous but the c plot was something that was very relatable for me so i i, re I really had a, a fun appreciation and a, a fun down trip of my road of memory lane then uh, when it comes to Vexilon, I, I, you know, I'm a Halo fan and seeing the giant sphere uh, circular disc in the sky and it just reminded me of Halo and Elysium. So, you know, all fun hitting the right points in my sci-fi brain to really make me appreciate the episode and having a giant supercomputer behind everything and watching it malfunction and since it controls the weather. You'll be sitting somewhere and all of a sudden you'll have a hurricane or ice storm randomly. I thought that was a lot of fun and that's something you would expect because it's one of the things that we don't realize when it comes to letting artificial intelligence run our lives. It may malfunction. And when it does, what is going to happen to us as individuals in this wonderful blue earth? So it's also like a warning that I think was a subliminal message from the writers, probably because of the chat GPTs and everything else that's coming out that could be quite disruptive for our society. So, uh, and the solve of fixing that was rebooting it. <laughs> As someone who has worked in IT for 20 years now, oh. I, I tell every company and office that I've worked for that has like a, a call recording if people call in, I tell them if they put suggesting to people that they reboot their computer first before calling if they put that on the opening recording that'll that'll take care of 85 percent of problems <laughs> and lo and behold it did here oh wow <laughs> was there staff reductions after <laughs> i'm just saying there there's a reason that the it department in the company you work for there is a reason we say have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again we're not just doing that to fill time everybody it actually does work a lot of the time indeed i can well, that, concur that, that that's like the it crowd where he sits there and he just has an answering machine oh <laughs> yes him at it have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> Say that for a reason. It works. Oh, that's I happened to stumble on that show late in the game, but that oh, show is fantastic. So good show. So show. And good. then that that really brought Matt Berry in the American Eye, and thankfully so because he's yes he's a gem. <laughs> oh, have you watched Toast? I know we're yes. getting off topic here, but yes. you mentioned yes. Matt Berry, and oh. Toast is so it's good. Toast to Britain. <laughs> and uh, they have another show, too, that's like before IT crowd. That's quite funny, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, now, Heather, I wanted to ask you something about this episode. I'd really love your opinion on it. Um, in the C-plot, uh, Lieutenant Dirk, who was tasking them with all of these, had the twist at the ending uh, saying that, yeah, he was kind of hazing the new lieutenants a little bit just to, you know, m- mess with them a little, but it was mostly harmless, except for Rutherford getting chased. Uh, what did you think, because I've heard a lot of differing opinions on this, what did you think of Lieutenant Dirk and his his hazing of the lieutenants? What did you think of that? Well, A, from the get-go, I thought, I, 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 I did think he was hazing them <laughs> from the very <laughs> beginning. Um, and then I, the, 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 the part that really got me was when he was like, oh, oh no, it like he, he tried to pull a whole excuse and, and, and uh, traumatic events. And, and uh, so that's why I can't be in enclosed spaces and, and <laughs> do this. And, and, and they completely fell for it. And I felt kind of bad for the three of them after they fell for it and they felt bad for him. And then you see at the very end, he was actually hazing them. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have any strong opinions about it because I feel like sometimes that's just what we as stupid, idiotic humans do. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense and it's really relatable. Uh, but I, kept, I've, I felt kind of bad that... Uh, you know, he played them and, and he, he, he made them feel bad for him. Like when he really was trying to haze them and be mean to them in the first place. So, but 20 points to uh, Rutherford for speed running through. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get out of the way <laughs> when he knocks the girl over. Just... <laughs> like, he he killed that game, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He, he, he ran through those shafts like crazy. <laughs> he just drinks the drink and throws the glass to the ground and gets out of there. It's like <laughs> it was perfect. I think my only issue was with that was if Lieutenant Dirk hadn't told them all of these sad stories, I kind of wouldn't have had a problem with it. But when he started, you know, telling those. Tr- telling the the sad backstory about why he couldn't work on the isolinear chips himself and then it came out that he was actually hazing them that's when i thought oh that's not cool yeah when he when he just like outright lied to them like if if he was doing that and then admitted to them later yeah i was just screwing with you but you guys did it so great job no no more screwing around that i would have said okay so just a little harmless a little harmless prank i guess no harm no foul but he didn't have to commit to it with the tragic backstory that felt like going to a little bit of an extreme in my opinion i mean it did but i'm pretty sure lieutenant dirk is supposed to be a dick so it it it, it was in character (laughs) (laughs) he is now yeah that's for sure uh but yes so far uh heather what would you say on season four of lower decks three for three so far Episode four was my favorite episode. So let's talk about episode four. 
Then let's talk about episode four. I know this one is actually seeming to be pretty popular. Episode four, something borrowed, something green. Folks, we have a Delvana Tendi episode, and it is giving us all the backstory, which Mariner even mentioned herself. Tendi has to go back to her home planet uh, for her sister's wedding. And all sorts of Orion Syndicate adventures ensue. Uh, Heather, since you brought it up, uh, you can go first. How do you feel about this episode? Something borrowed, something green. I love this episode. So one of my favorite things, and the reason why Tendi is one of my, my, my favorite character on Lower Decks, is that this is a huge opportunity to explore Orion culture. And we're learning so much stuff about this race that we never knew before about these aliens that have been around since the very beginning. And it's the same thing as to why I love Shran and the Andorians so much on enterprise, because they did the same thing with Shran there where they gave you the opportunity to really explore Andorian culture and, and see how they live their lives and and learn so much more about them. And we're getting to see so much more about Orion's uh, through Tendi here. And it's awesome. I am here for every single inch of it. Um, I love how, you know, bridal kidnappings is a common thing (laughs) on Orion. (laughs) Who is surprised by that? No one. Nobody. Not at all. Nope. But I, I love how they delve into like the the family hierarchy and how she was trained to be the prime, uh, the head assassin of the family. And when she decided to join Starfleet, like she forfeited that position and her, her sister had to become that place. And, and her sister really felt that she wasn't sure she could live up to her and everything that she did. And it turns out like she's heads over tails better than Tendi at everything. And then you see like when you see Tendi in her natural habitat, like you, you're just amazed that all of this comes out of her because she's really deep down, just like a science geek who, who loves to talk about science and scan things. And then, but you see, like when you see her training come out, you're like, wow, you know, that that's how they really train um, their, children from a young age to learn all these different things because that that's part of their culture so I, I think it's really cool and I enjoyed watching it and I think Talyn once again played a huge ep- like role in this episode of really bringing uh, balance to it and, and using her her Vulcan side to really be logical about a lot of the craziest situations they were put into <laughs> But then I I love when, you know, she throws her pad out the window and be like, oh, I can't report, report to Vulcan on this, you know, because it was important and Tindy asked her not to. So that, that shows a, a good side of her as well. I completely agree. <laughs> and there is something that I want to talk about on this episode that I absolutely loved. Of course, I'm talking about Brotherford. <laughs> I loved Brotherford so much because Boimler and Rutherford were getting along so well. And if you've been roommates with another dude before, 
you realize that you're going to fight over something as silly as who gets to water the plant, the bonsai tree. <laughs> and solving it because you're both giant Star Trek nerds, if you solve it by doing voices of Mark Twain, because you're, you're both in the holodeck doing the Mark Twain bit from TNG, and you're both doing the Mark Twain voice, you can't not have a good time. Like, that is such dude comedy. I absolutely loved it. Like, I love the Mark Twain voice bit. I absolutely loved it. I loved when Captain Freeman did it and when it went <laughs> terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I absolutely love Brotherford together because they have a dynamic that I find really entertaining and really amusing. Give me more Brotherford. <laughs> Also, to to go along with what Heather was saying, the Orion planet was really, really cool, despite the the violence and piracy. And the ungodly amount of green. (laughs) True. (laughs) Are are we going to talk about the pheromones and the hump dungeon? Are are, are we going to talk about those? Hump dungeon! (laughs) I mean, uh, honestly, full disclosure here, I'm a single guy, Mm -hmm. and... If I were in Starfleet and I had some shore leave, I'm not saying I would go to the <laughs> Orion Hump Dungeon and, and get a hit of pheromones, a hit of the moans, as they called it. Mm. I'm not saying I would. I'm just saying it's out there. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Here's the thing. If you went there, would you end up leaving? Because most mm. people who enter don't leave, okay? <laughs> Once you come that, in, you can't check out. That, yeah. That's that's not a terrible point. Mm-mm. But I just thought that was absolutely hilarious how they've fully established the Orion pheromones as just like this long-standing weapon of power and, and influence in Star Trek and how it continues to just have its way with everyone that comes in, in contact with Orion pheromones, the moans, the and, moons. And, and that just tickled me to no end. Uh, what did you think of this episode, Joe? I love this episode. I totally concur with the both of you. Uh, we are on the same ship. If you don't mind the pun, <laughs> um, the pun is always intended. Yeah, yeah. The, the wonderful thing that I had is a kind of like a flip to what we were talking about earlier, Heather, with the misogyny in the writing. This had yeah. the opposite. This is the, the, the full powerhouse of women own and control the leadership of this planet. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, the, the way that it was handled with the mom and every time uh, she was trying to hide the, their wealth and trying to downplay it. Oh no no no! We're good. We're good. It's like we're good. We're good. But we're being carried by these people. Like, what is going on? What the heck do you do? And I absolutely love that. And um, one of the other fun facts that I discovered after we talked about it uh, in Captain's Quadrant was the ship that they they got from the junkyard was a Raven class ship. And if you're not familiar with that, but you're a, and not familiar with Star Trek Voyager, but you know Seven of Nine. That's the ship the family took to kind of, you know, take a look at the Borg. That Raven class was the same ship that uh, 709 got her origin from. Oh. Yeah. 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 
So I thought that was a nice little Easter egg that they put in there. I mean, the, the, the show is famous for putting plotting a lot of Easter eggs throughout the, series, the episodes, but uh, Voy- they're doing very heavy Voyager this season. Yeah. And I, I got a great appreciation from that. And I also loved the a million and one times that Mariner got stabbed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the same Every spot. Time. Every in time. In the same spot. In this exact same spot. And even in the end, when they're on that Raven class, and she's like, okay, it's Mariner, unlike herself, hides behind like a, a, a panel and everything. And she's like, I'll be good here. And she still gets stabbed. She's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that was that was hilarious. That was hilarious. so many laughs on that one. And I even appreciated uh, her um, the, the the drinking game that they played. Yes, the drinking game yes. with that the, terrifying predator bug. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Orions do not mess around, and they I love do it. Not they do not. And of course, I appreciated getting this this deep story into Orion culture. And it baffled me that after fifty seven years, we never really got into it, other than the. The one episode that the big show was in from WWE. Yes. Where he yeah. was picking up to Paul. Hey, look, it's Paul. <laughs> and uh, we, we have a good little bit about that on uh, on our pods as well, where um, we think that was a Rick Berman thing because they, at that time, back to misogyny, very heavily just said, hey, you know what? We'll put women in the tightest, tightest, tightest clothes because that's what men want to watch, the clothes. It's like, no, we want to see space and and... And new life and new civilizations, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> the occasional sexy alien is fine, but that's right. not really what we're here for. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah so that that was my love. And I, I love the alien that they uh, they encounter because they both want to scan the nebula. And it, it's like Klingon light. Yes, the Chalnoff. <laughs> the Chalnoff. I couldn't remember their name. Uh, yeah, the Chalnoffs are hilarious. They, I, I think they were in TNG. Yeah, I think that's where they they came from, and we have not seen them whatsoever since. So it was not. It's nice that Lower Decks goes back and gets those like miscellaneous aliens that you're not really thinking about, and then all of a sudden they're there, and you're like, oh hey, it's like seeing an old friend. How you been, man? What's going on? <laughs> so those those little like uh, little snippets of joy are just fantastic in Lower Decks, and this episode was just full of them. And I think they did a great job with everything the the fighting the the way that the ship the uh, shuttle pod looks when it lands and takes off from Orion was stellar. Yeah. The, the cuts, the angles and everything. And it made me go, you know what? I appreciate a good shuttle pod nowadays. <laughs> and that's what I, those are my thoughts on that one. All right. So we all loved this episode and I would say right now, season four of lower decks has been pretty okay. In my opinion. Uh, what would you say, Heather? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, dude, I hate it when you put me on the spot like that. Because everyone knows <laughs> lower, lower Decks is not really my thing, okay? So I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to rate anything, but it's because it's You're enjoying it. It's been all right. Story, but yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying it. All right. Uh, Joe, season four so far, you're you're good with it so far? Absolutely. I love Lower Decks. I'm a big animation fan. I My first anime was either Akira or Vampire Hunter D. It's been so long. Ah, uh, you're a man of culture. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, so, like, anime is always 
top five in my list. So when they said, oh, we're going to do an animated Star Trek, I was like, oh, sweet. And then I heard it was going to be a little bit zany and, and not, you know, typical uh, Star Trek plot. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And it has been. And I've appreciated each and every episode. And I think this season is on the level with the third season. And the rumor is that they are going to be doing more. And this isn't going to be the end. So I was a little bit worried because Paramount was doing the acts for so many different shows. They did Discovery and such. So I was like, oh, guys, oh, please don't let this be the end. So I'm very happy that uh, this is continuing to rock and roll. Yeah, we nearly got away from this episode without mentioning the fact that at the very beginning of this episode, that ship came back. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The ship from the first two episodes came back. I and, and you know that's the one thing I'm appreciating about this season is that we are seeing, and it's not not that they didn't really do it in earlier seasons, but this is a very clear we have a specific threat that's going to be threatened throughout the season. You know, so it, it it's not it's not even subtle. It's very clear, and I appreciate that because it, it it leaves you hanging you know it kind of leaves you questioning okay i, I want to know what's going to happen you know and i'm excited for that i i'm definitely excited in finding out who or what that is going to be no i have a couple of theories if you're interested yes, <laughs> sure we like go theories. for it um one of the I, like i i kept saying and leaning on the fact that lower decks likes to bring other species that we barely know of or you know we've had very little interaction with and one of those species that i love and i'm really hoping this is but it it kind of the ship itself kind of resembles the, the helm or a headwear of the breen and okay. they're the breen ships are usually very similar to like the scimitar from nemesis and i don't know how you guys feel about nemesis but i thought that was a cool ship <laughs> but, i thought nemesis was all right i like the scimitar too yeah there we go perfect um so for me, I think this may be a new Breen weapon that they're trying out to see what they can do because they could, I mean, Starfleet is still recovering from the Dominion War. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that they could be easily defeated in any type of conflict. So who better than the Breen to come up with some type of technology to take advantage of the weakness in the uh, Federation? Well, and the the Breen were working on the side of the Dominion during the Dominion Correct. War, right? Yeah. So that would make sense that there is still some animosity there. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's one theory. The other theory, uh, I'm going to definitely say it's um, a new species that we haven't seen before, just to mess with people. <laughs> that, that's where I'm leaning. Really? That is where I'm leaning. Wow. That it is a brand new species that we have not seen. And they will kind of be the new antagonists for the Cerritos going forward now that the Packlets have been dealt with. Ooh, wow. That's going to, I hope so. That'd be really cool. All right. So let's jump into, uh, and we'll, this will be a great segue into upcoming business. Let's talk about the very short trek that came out. Mm. Worst contact. Mm. Commander Riker and Dr. Crusher are doing first contact with a new alien species, and things get gross from there. <laughs> Progressively. <laughs> you know, 
at least it was short. <laughs> Very short. Because I was utterly grossed out by this. I I am fully saying the very short tracks for me are sitting at 0 for 3. Wow. And I'll talk about what I have to say about that in upcoming business. Uh, Joe, worst contact. What did you think? At first, I was thinking that it was going to be like a goofy type of thing. And I initially thought that the their heads, they were like a, a cauliflower species, like some type of plant photosynthesized species that could walk around. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, so this is like some type of like uh, botanical civilization. And then they started with the booger. And then the girl was just like, they were talking about first con. Oh, you've been able to reach warp, whatever. And we want to welcome you and give you the opportunity to join the Federation. And they called Pam back. And the one alien is picking its nose and then reaches out to shake the hand. And I was like, oh, that's gross. And then- I nearly hit stop right there. <laughs> but there are a little bit of funny moments because uh, it just kept getting worse and kept getting grosser until they bring out the microwave fish and they like snotted on it or whatever. But I thought it was hilarious. The end of it was like, record goes, oh, no, you have a warp mouth core malfunction. And he's like blasted. He's like, oh, I guess you can't make it in the Starfleet. See ya. I thought that was funny. At least it ended uh, funnily. But yeah, these are these are difficult to watch. I didn't. The other one last week wasn't as bad because it was kind of like a typical terrible party. But there was a kind of levels of grossness in it. But yeah, this one was just all out gross. Heather. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I I I watched the first one. I'm not mad at you. I watched the first one and uh I haven't watched any of them since then. Wow. <laughs> so I I'm just I'm just so turned off by these. So turned off by these. Um I don't know what in their right mind they possessed when they were creating these these short tracks. And we can talk about that a little further when you bring up your upcoming business topic. Because I, I don't, yeah, I didn't. Watch yeah, it. yeah. Um, which brings me to upcoming business. We really need to talk about the very short tracks because I have a theory about them, mm-hmm. and that maybe the very short tracks are not necessarily targeted at diehard Star Trek fans. And I kept thinking about who this would be targeted for. And it made me think about the concept of cultural osmosis, uh, which is the thought that you learn about pop culture and history and other things, not necessarily by engaging with the material yourself, but more through peripheral peripheral experience. Like, the I actually talked with Jesse Gender about this, plug, plug, name drop, Ooh. in that I think that these are for the people who believe or don't actually know that Jim Kirk never actually said, beam me up, Scotty. Oh. It's a catchphrase, that's not really a thing, but in kind of the casual pop culture lexicon, 
it's more of a thing. And I think that's who these are supposed to appeal to. Because it sure as hell ain't me. (laughs) Okay. If that's who these are supposed to appeal to, then why does it come off like these are... These aren't honoring Star Trek. These are making fun of Star Trek. Because that's what it feels like, almost. That, like, these are taking some of the most iconic things about Star Trek and turning them into a joke. And I, I, I don't know why that would be appealing to any sort of marketing team in order to bring in new viewers because you're making a joke about the, 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 the thing you're trying to attract people to. It is definitely reminiscent of the Starship is Landing and the NFT experiment that Paramount tried. Uh, and I think that they believe that the short treks will show that Star Trek is not necessarily so serious and willing to laugh at itself a little bit. Well, then fucking watch Lower Decks. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I mean, there's plenty of examples throughout the series that shows that Star Trek is not just serious and is willing to laugh at itself. You don't need to make blatant, obvious, pretty kind of offensive jokes about Star Trek in, like, four-minute clips to get show that Star Trek can laugh at itself, okay? It, it, it misses the mark on every level. I completely agree. Uh, and the thing that I wanted to talk about is, uh, are we going to keep watching these? Because they're on episode three out of five. And I'm of the belief that right now they're 0 for 3. Mm. Uh, Joe, I don't know how you feel about them, but I'm kind of feeling like I'm ready to drop the very short tracks. I'm thinking the ideal behind them is they may say, okay, you know, animation did okay with, with the Trek fans. And maybe if we present this type of animation... Maybe this is a new way to get more animated people on board and maybe even return Star Trek Prodigy back to where it belongs on Paramount Plus. You know, it, it, like a koi, a, a bait and switch almost, if you if you will. And I'm in the hopes that that's the main goal. Otherwise, it's just an experiment. And I think the experimentation has kind of annoyed a lot of fans and turned people off from day one. Uh, it's become a one and done for a lot of folks that I talk to about it. And I think that that has to come into consideration when you make something like this. Yes. Take risks, be bold, do something different, but don't be gross. <laughs> it doesn't need to be gross all the time. Yeah. Period. I, I, uh, I am, since you, you name dropped earlier, I am going to name drop uh, our friend of our pod, Bruce uh, Horek. He was our first interview. Um, That's Heather's guy. Yeah. I love Bruce. Bruce 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 is amazing. You guys had him on as well? No, we've never had any celebrity on, but I I, I just, I love Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is amazing. And I had the opportunity, we had the opportunity uh, with our original 
um, founder, a co-founder of Captain's Quadrant, Jason Hatswell. He wears hats so well. But uh, <laughs> we had the opportunity to interview Bruce, and it was majestic. The man has, has a wealth of knowledge of Star Trek. He is someone who loves the the whole iteration of it and is honored to be a part of the mythos that is space the final frontier so it, it it's just a fantastic moment that we had in section 31 and a half and that's our interview show on captain's squad our favorite klingon pop star yes <laughs> absolutely uh i i can't wait for his album the k-pop <laughs> album that's coming out for sure <laughs> So I know that for the sake of this podcast, I know I should keep watching the very short treks, but I'm gonna I'm I'm leaning towards dropping the very short treks. I think I think I've seen enough. Mm. And well, look, and, and and this is ironic for me to say who would, the is the person who admitted she only watched one and hasn't watched anymore since then. Um, I do plan on watching uh, the episode that Aaron Watke wrote. Okay. Because okay. I think uh, Aaron Watke loves Star Trek. That's very clear. That's very obvious. Yes. And I would hope that he produced something that isn't gross or offensive like some of these other ones have been. Um, so I do plan on watching his episode, which is one of the two left because that hasn't aired yet. Um, and it's about Trick being alive. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. The one that he wrote is about Trip. Oh, I, I'm looking forward to that. Did they get Connor to come back? Yes, they do. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. I got to yeah. bug them about it then. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I do plan on watching that one, but I can't Seriously? make any promises for any more than that. I, well, I, mean, I, I don't go, blame you, Heather. Yeah. I don't blame you. If you go to the very bottom with booger jokes, you can only go up. That's my theory. I'm going to keep watching it, but yeah. It's, it's, I, I'm, I might be checking out. I might be officially checking out on the very short tracks, unless I miraculously hear that the next two are good by some miracle. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm done with the very short tracks. I think I'm done. We'll see. Time will tell. And I think we're done with this episode of the podcast, Heather. I think we're done. Yep. All right, then we'll take it home. Joe, Dove, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Great to complete our podcast exchange program. It was great. Thanks for having me on the Captain's Quadrant. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, let everybody, our listeners, know where they can find you and what you've got going on. All right. So, um, like I said, our show is the Captain's Quadrant, where we align space and time. And it used to be three different parts of the globe, but now it's two parts of the United States, where my co-host and I, Jason Roy Gaston, dive into the current Star Trek and the Captain's Quadrant. But we also, we have a time in the agony booth where we go back and we watch the worst episodes, the hardest to watch, if you don't believe in worst, but the hardest to watch episodes each week and we spin the wheel of agony to dictate exactly what we'll be watching. We've done way to Eden, uh, move along home to name a few. And of course the Emmy award winning Jack <laughs> 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 Voyager episode. Uh, and if you're really good, you know what I'm talking about. 
Indeed. Salamander babies. Salamander babies. Yes. So we have a blast and we try to make it as humorous as possible. And we are mainly a visual podcast, but we do have the audio everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, iHeartRadio, which is still alive. Stitcher, Twitch, all those wonderful things. And of course, YouTube. That's where we are because we had a great producer and who has bequeathed upon us an amazing new visual look as we go completely Star Trek. We used to be Spectrum Sanctorum, but we are 100% Captain Squadron starting October 2nd. So join us for the journey. And thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Oh, thanks uh, for having me. Heather, uh, everyone follow Heather Kirby on one of the socials uh, at NerdyGal33. Never apologize for being nerdy. Heather, thank you as always for doing this episode with me. You are very, very welcome. And you can follow the podcast at Prom Trek Pod. Say hi. Tell us what you're watching. Tell me how I'm wrong about not liking masks. And tell me if the sh- very short treks get better. T- tell me if they actually get better. They're going to come for you for not liking masks. I'm going to tell you right now. I'll let you know about the short treks. It's it's okay. It's okay. That That's one of those where I know I'm in the minority on that one, and I accept it. I'm going to talk it. to... I'm going to talk to Jason see if we put that on the wheel, the wheel of agony. <laughs> if you need a guest for that one, I'm in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Absolutely. We'll, we'll totally have you on. That'll be fun. All right. Well, in that case, thank you all, everybody, for listening to the Promenade Merchants podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are aggregated. Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, which is still around for the time being, and anywhere else podcasts can be aggravated. And of course, at the mothership, if you will, DeltaJulietMike.com. Thank you all for listening. Live long in something or other. And Heather, say the thing. Watch for the shoes.